0: I'll just do a bit of an introduction because then we're going to be talking uh, with one another uh, pretty quickly. Uh, We're looking at Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk teaches us how to live when the world around us is dark and sad. I'm sure each one of us know that life is not all rainbows and fairy floss. What happened this week that made you feel sad? When were you worried or distressed? In the top corner of your page there, you can write down what happened this week that made you feel sad. And then if you want to cover it over, just fold the corner over. Parents, talk with your children about what your family went through this week. Remember those last few days. What was something that happened that made the world feel dark and sad? I'll give you 60 seconds. Okay, let me tell you about Habakkuk. Habakkuk the man, he was a prophet, belonged to God's people, and he had the job of speaking God's message on behalf of God to God's people. He lived around the 7th century BC. And Habakkuk lived in a time that was dark and sad. He was worried and distressed. We read in chapter 1 of Habakkuk that he was worried and distressed because the people that he belonged to were very unkind to one another. He was worried and distressed because we read in chapter 2 that God was going to send the Babylonians, a people who were even more unkind, God was going to send them to punish Habakkuk's people. And so for Habakkuk, the present looked dark And the future looked even darker. And Habakkuk chapter 3 is his response. The response of how to live when the world around us is dark and sad. See there on the page in blue, with the little number 1 against it, this is verse 1 out of Habakkuk chapter 3. It says, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. This is his prayer to God. This is his response to living in a world that is dark and sad. Now the next word there, on shiginoff. That's not Dutch. Uh, this, is, this is a Hebrew word. And we don't really know what it means. It's probably got something to do with music, a musical term. And this prayer is a song. And if we take our best guess about what shigianoff means it kind of means a rocking song not a rock beat <coughs> but a song that has rousing emotion it's a, it's a stirring song it's a song that doesn't make you do this but it makes your heart swell it's that kind of song it's that kind of prayer it's a stirring prayer of how to live in a world that is dark and sad And the first thing that Habakkuk shows us to do is to remember, to remember what God has done. We're going to read the next few verses of Habakkuk. As we go through here, boys and girls and adults, look out for these words, his, him and he. When you see those words circle them, they're referring to God. Adults, you can do the same thing. Says in verse 2, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. In your wrath, remember mercy. God came from Timan, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His, there's your first circle. Got it, boys and girls, first circle. His glory, talking about God, his glory covered the heavens. And his praise filled the earth. His splendour was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hand. Where his power was hidden, plague went before him, pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth, he looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Cushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. See how many times it said his, him or he? As Habakkuk begins his prayer, he is remembering what he, God, has done. Habakkuk can face the present and the future because he remembers what God has done. There's a question at the bottom of your page there. How do we know about what God has done? How do we, how do do you and I, how do we know today what God has done? Well, it's in the Bible. The Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, tells us about what God has done. The more familiar we are with the Bible, the more we will remember in life what God has done. You see, this is why we don't just read the Bible once and then put it on the shelf or send it off in a box to the Lifeline Book Fair to be sold on again. But we read it over and over and over that we might remember what God has done. What, do you want to turn over to page 2? The second thing that Habakkuk shows us is to know who God is. As God has shown himself to be across the pages of the Bible. There will be some things that you remember about who God is, but the more we read the whole of the Bible, we get a fuller picture of who God is. And Habakkuk 3 gives us a picture of God that is not usually in our mind. As I read through these verses from verse 8, underline the words that describe how God feels, underline the words that tell us how God acts. And we might build up a bit of a picture that's not usually in mind. You ready to follow from verse 8? The first underline is in the first word, first sentence. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed torrents of water swept by, the deep roared and lifted its waves on high, sun and moon stood still in the heavens, at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear, in wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations, you came out to deliver your people. To save your anointed one, you crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head. When his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding, you trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. In the box down the bottom, you can draw a picture of how Habakkuk describes God's anger and wrath. We see here that God is like a mighty warrior, a leader of an army. The series title that we've been using across the, these sermons has, is Mighty to Save. God comes as mighty in judgment, and God comes as mighty in salvation. For God to put the world right, the world that we long for, the world that we are hoping for, God must deal with what is not right in the world. We can face what is dark and sad because of who God is. Now, how might Habakkuk have been feeling? Well, he tells us in verse 16. He's not feeling all calm and peaceful. See verse 16, we're now on page 3. Habakkuk says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Habakkuk is not relaxed about what is happening and what is going to happen. When did you last feel like this? Your heart pounding, not doing actions to a song kind of pounding, but out of fear and not feeling okay. Lips quivering. Yet though Habakkuk feels like this, he says in the last bit of that verse... Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity, the day of judgment to come on the nation invading us. You see, because of what God had done, because of who God is, Habakkuk waits patiently for God. We can do that as much today. On the back page there, there's some um, extra reading for home. In Romans chapter 8, I encourage you... You might even be familiar with it, but it's something for us to be very familiar with it. Have a look at Romans 8 this week. Perhaps you could use that in your family Bible reading time. Maybe you've never had a family Bible reading time or you're out of the habit of it. Romans 8 would be a great place for you to jump back into one night or one afternoon or one morning this week and see how it helps us understand living in a dark and sad world. Okay, let's come to point number four. The next thing that Habakkuk does is he rejoices in the Lord. The mindset of waiting doesn't make the world right. See what's here in verse 17? Circle the words that are not or no. See, the world hasn't gotten any better for Habakkuk. Verse 17, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Okay, it sounds like the worst possible drought that you could ever go through. The world is not right for Habakkuk, but for Habakkuk, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Saviour. While the world is not made right, Habakkuk is made right and he is able to rejoice in God. Why can he do this? Because he remembers what God has done. He knows who God is and he waits patiently for Him. That is possible for us too, even more so because of where we sit in history after Jesus has come and lived and died and risen to new life and ascended into heaven and given us the promise that he's returning. We know even more of who God is and what he is doing. That's what we saw in our first Bible reading this morning in 1 Peter chapter 4. It says there on page 4, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. This is the world of Habakkuk, a world that is dark and sad. Don't be surprised by it, Peter says, but, verse 13, rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed." And though we live in these times, verse 19 says what we will do, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This is a life of waiting patiently. Now Habakkuk 3 is a prayer, but it's a prayer that's a song. Any prayer that's turned into a song is turned into a song because it is to be remembered, to be sung to one another. It's to get stuck in our heads. That's why we did God is good all the time, all the time. God is good all the time. And Habakkuk wrote down his prayer as a song, a Shigienov song. Now, we don't know the tune of a Shigienov, we're not even going to try and come up with one. But we want to commit verse. 19, to our memory. That we might say it together and remember it. So I'm going to read out each line and can you echo me? You can also copy the words down to help get it into your head. I'm going to say each line now and you echo it. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. Now, if we stopped just there, don't say this bit. If we stopped just there, you'd go, what? (laughs) Who wants feet like a deer? I've got ugly enough feet as it is. That's why we wear shoes and most of us wear shoes and cover them up. Who would want feet of a deer? Well, we've got to go on to the next bit. Say it after me. He enables me to tread on the heights. Well, that doesn't comfort me much more. I'm absolutely petrified of heights. You know, the first job that I had when I left school was as a scaffolder. My dad owned a scaffolding company. He was scared of heights, so he employed me to do all the high work. Uh, Is it so that we are no longer scared of heights? No, the description in the Bible here is when you went on high and rocky places, it was places of danger, places where you could have been captured by bandits, a place where you might fall and be hurt and die. The Sovereign Lord as our strength with feet like a deer that can climb onto the high places safely and securely, God enables us to be there. Though we might go through a world that is dark and sad because we remember what God has done, because we know who God is, we can wait patiently and rejoice. So please say this line after me again. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. he enables me to tread on the heights Habakkuk 3:19